just focus on your goal. If you love what you do and it is your passion, you know there is nothing else you'd rather be doing it, then set yourself out to go and do that and nothing this but that. where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I am joined by Michael Hale, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, very active competitor in the sport, as well as a strength and conditioning coach. I actually came across Michael from a former guest of the show, Brittany Rucker, posted him on her story, and I was looking at his profile. He combines Olympic weightlifting and jiu-jitsu. So if you've been listening for the last couple of months, those are two really big passions of mine. And uh, it was cool to kind of talk a little bit about how he combines the two. We didn't get into a ton of weightlifting at all. Um, mostly jujitsu talk this week. So if you're not really interested in it, it's probably not the podcast for you. But if you are interested in the sport of jujitsu, uh, learning how somebody trains to be a competitor, what it takes to get to the next level, this is definitely a really good listen. So this one flew by in an hour and 20 minutes, and I felt like we were just getting started. So definitely have Michael back on the podcast at some point. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I like the people who are in the process, who are doing the work, like, and I know uh, your coach, Brittany, was somebody who I really wanted to have on just because, like, I see how much she puts in and I see how much she puts into other people and, like, that, that's something special, but she doesn't have 100,000 Instagram followers and it doesn't matter because she's affecting people on a much deeper level than somebody who's just putting out booty pictures or whatever. Yeah, dude, I mean... Running into Brittany and getting her as my coach has been one of the best things ever, man. Like, clearly, she is an amazing human being. Exactly the words you just said describes her perfectly to a T. Like, she, and I've only had her as my coach for like two months, but I've been able to see in only two months how much she genuinely cares about people and cares about her athletes, how much she wants to see them succeed. She, stretches herself then to be able to do all these things and as you can tell she has to go all these national meets she's even gone international and it's crazy and she still puts in 110 percent effort into everyone that she can from her competitive athletes that are doing all these meets to the athletes that are just doing it as a hobby trying to come in and hit their um hit their lifts on a, on a weekly basis yeah i'm sure that is that something like you see as a as a coach like you've been able to kind of get people who are really serious versus people who just are doing it to you know get in better shape like are you able to kind of put the same amount of time into everybody uh definitely definitely i mean be, well i, I definitely am because i'm i'm not at the scale as Brittany is Brittany is in a way way bigger scale and i'm sure that's like she has to really manage her time to a t now I do the same thing, but I do it because I can still, I'm at a stage where I can still be a competitor if I want to. And I know once you get to Britney's scale, as she said herself, it's like, 
you're not going to be a year-round athlete or a year-round competitor. She has to choose when she goes into camp and gets ready for her own competitions, and that's maybe one or two times a year. The rest is your focus on coaching those athletes, and that's I, that's one of the first lessons I learned. I still remember that day where I had just become a coach, and one of my good friends that uh, is actually a CSCS himself, he came up to me that day um, and said, we were actually doing a workout. I think we were doing a workout and you saw someone that was a part of the class because we were off to the side. He saw someone that was a part of the class doing something, I guess, that he felt he needed to fix. And then he portrayed that message to me that you're a coach now. And when you're a coach, coach comes first, athlete second. No matter if you're in the middle of a workout, if you're in the zone because you're prepping for a competition and you're doing your lifts or whatever it is, you're going to go help them out because you're a coach. You see something wrong, you go fix it. That's just the way it is. And I've I've uh, tried my best to make sure I always focus on that no matter what, no matter when, no matter where. Like I'm I'm going to be a coach and I'm if they're my athlete or if they at least take my advice, if, if they're not my athlete, I'm going to go and I'm going to help them out. And that's, that's what I look to do is just be a coach first, athlete second. And... It could be there's times where you just need to figure out and time manage well, really well, especially when you're trying to compete for something big. I, I'm pretty sure, Brittany, I think she's preparing for PANS next, is it? Is it PANS? I think it might be PANS. But uh, now she gets her six weeks to focus, but she's still, I know she's going to put 110% effort into her athletes, of course. Yeah, it's that, it's that balance. It's tough. And, I mean, as an athlete myself, I've never had that ability to just, you know, it's if I'm working out, like it's my workout. And I've seen people where, yeah, especially in, I mean, in weightlifting, you see a lot of beginners who come in who have technique issues that can be fixed relatively quickly. But I would look at it and say, hey, I'm training right now. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't go help them, which maybe seems selfish. But if you want to be good or if you want to be the best that you can be at something it's very hard to do that to take away from your own training definitely and especially when i was a crossfitter when i was like a heavy crossfitter doing all those workouts oh man when you're in the middle of a workout and you're in the zone and you got burpees over bar you got uh power snatches wall ball shots whatever it is and you're going and then you see something that like you know you need to go fix and it's just like I'm going to go do it. And it was maybe like just those first few three, three to four times where I kind of had to, I hesitated in doing it because I was so focused on my work, but I would be like, no, I'm going to go do it. And now it's not even, it's not even a thought. If I see something wrong, I'm going to go, I'm going to go fix it. I'm going to go take care of it. But that's also because I don't do uh, heavy, heavy CrossFit workouts anymore. If I'm just doing a lifting session in between sets while I'm resting, I'll just go fix whatever I see. Yeah. What do you like? I know. So I know you're a coach and then I know you compete in jujitsu, but what exactly do you like? What's your role right now currently? So right now. So what do you mean by that? What do you mean by role? Like as, as far as coach or athlete? Yeah, both. Like, so I know like you're competing at a high level in jujitsu, which is awesome. And we'll definitely get into that. But like you have your own business where you're coaching people. And then I believe you coach at your gym as well, too. Yes, I coach at a at an MMA gym called the uh, Fightery Academy. That's over in uh, the Wimberley area, just right outside Wimberley. 
um or Wimberley, Texas. Sorry, I say Wimberley like it's because I, <laughs> yeah. I you're with Brittany, so I think you're from San Antonio and you understand the area. But yes, uh, Wimberley, Texas, just about uh, I would say 45 minutes south of Austin. Okay. But I coached there, and as far as right now, so I just finished competing yesterday at the Austin Open and thinking about competition wise. So there's gi and no gi and jujitsu. The world's gi with the world championships for the gi already passed. So going into the second half of the year, the focus shift, uh, shifts to no-gi because in October there's Pan Ams and in December there's Worlds, and that's only for no-gi. So now the focus is going to shift from gi competition to no-gi. With that, there's going to be – I have some things coming up. So the next three weeks are kind of like I get to somewhat, quote-unquote, relax, like not hard, hard training. I'm still getting my training in. Um, I can focus more on my business, focus more on uh, – just tending more to my athletes and then having to focus on myself. And so right now I would say I'm more in the role of focusing on coach and business. And then as we get closer to those dates where we're getting into camp for Pan Am's worlds, that's like, I'll, I'll never say athlete first because, you know, coach comes first, but I am putting a lot of focus into myself being an athlete at those times for sure. I'm thinking about, especially with how much I personally train now. Um, I have to think about when I'm going to be able to train, when I'm going to be able to drill, when can I get my workouts in, whether it's weightlifting or strength conditioning, and how many of those am I going to do a week? How many of those am I going to do when we're starting to get within two weeks of the date? Because, you know, doing heavy lifts is going to affect me. It's going to affect my training sessions. I really have to, like, label everything that I'm doing. And I can't just do one session a day. There's sometimes I'll, I'll get away, quote unquote, get away with doing it. And I won't say, I say quote unquote, get away because if I don't put the effort in to the work, it's going to show on the mat. So even though that week I'm only doing one session a day, I know there's other guys that are training a lot harder and that's all their focus is. And uh, a big school I follow or I like to see uh, how they program for the competitive athletes because their guys are on the top across the board is Art of Jiu-Jitsu, AOJ. And they post how their guys, uh, at least the guys who always podium, always get first, are always on the top of the game. They train at least minimum three times a day, minimum. And they'll do like two, like one um, competitive class, I think, where they focus on techniques. Then they'll do a sparring an hour of sparring, an hour of rolling, and then they'll do an hour of, t of drills later on in the day. And these guys are high level, so all of them are personal trainers for jujitsu as well. So they train their other athletes on their own, coach on their own as well. So, I mean, those guys are world class. And if, if I'm going to be going against them in my weight class, on my division, I got to know that that's what they're doing. And I mean, when, when you roll against someone that's been practicing a technique a uh, hundred times, 500 times more than yourself, you're going to feel it. You know, you're going to feel their body pressure. You're going to feel the, their power as they go through a knee slice or, or whatever technique they're, they're doing. You feel it because they've put in the time and effort to perfect it. And so that's why I say you won't get away with that hour. You will feel it. So you got to put in the time to make sure that you do that to them and they don't do that to you pretty much. But yeah, so going back to the original question, I'm more in a coaching role right now, but we're going to go into athlete, back into athlete within, I'd say, a month. 
So I'm still training, but I'm not putting a ton, like 100, 150% effort. I'm going, getting my body ready, just kind of staying in the middle, focusing on my strength conditioning, more of my weightlifting. I want to have some fun with weightlifting. Brittany's really trying to push me to do a meet. And uh, yeah, she literally told me, she's like, I have a singlet for you, uh, everything ready to go. I'm just like, oh man, she's trying to get me to do that um, meet in October, the Killoween, I think she called it or something like that. But yeah, right now we're in a more coaching role and we'll go back to athlete uh, pretty soon. That always comes comes fast. Interesting. Yeah, man. So to preface a little bit, um, I haven't talked a ton about jujitsu in the pod on the podcast, so I'm not sure how much people know. I mean, gi mm-hmm. and no gi, like they, all those stuff. Like, I'm not sure if people are gonna understand that. But uh, just say gi is the pajamas, and then no gi is <laughs> no you gi know is. your your rash guard and spats, pretty much. That's it. Yeah, but uh, so I'm not a competitor at all. I have no interest in competing. I love I love jujitsu. I'm super interested in it. I just I don't know. It's just not worth it to me. But I I kind of love to get into the whole process of becoming that um, hobbyist to a competitor where you're going to these high level Pan Ams and worlds and kind of what that takes and, you know, the preparation. I think even to understand like so you're a purple belt in jujitsu and people might who have never heard of jujitsu think purple belt. Okay, that's, you know, pass a white belt. But for me, like being on the mats for nine months or so, purple belt is a really hard process to get to. And it's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of failing. It's a lot of showing up on days that you don't want to. And people might not respect that as much if they haven't had any experience doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, getting, so going from hobbyist to competitor, way different way different so when i started jujitsu it was purely to okay so i was gonna say purely to learn the art of jujitsu but at the time at the time i remember junior year is when i started i had already known about my dad doing jujitsu i would go watch my dad my dad's a black belt currently a black belt himself and i would go watch him i was very i've always loved the art of fighting and martial arts ever since i was a kid and I remember I did a lot of karate tournaments. I I loved, I did karate only because I loved to fight. And I literally quit karate because I was tired of the first 30 minutes of class learning the names of punches in Japanese and just like, <sighs> like just doing that. I hated it. I just wanted to get to the last 30 minutes where we put the gloves on, we put our gear, let's fight. And I literally quit because I was so bored of those first 30 to 45 minutes of learning those names. And then soon after that, I did a little bit of boxing, just a little bit. And then I focused on, you know, the regular sports, basketball. I was huge into basketball, football. Then I found CrossFit afterwards. But in high school, uh, junior year, that's when my dad, you want to come to jiu-jitsu? I said, oh, yep, definitely. I'm going. So I went. Got my ass handed to me um, by like everyone I had. There's just nothing you can do. You know, when, when you first walk into the jujitsu gym, I understand why it could be scary for people. But if you're going to a good gym, just like with anything, with like CrossFit or whatever it is, if you're going to a good gym, you, you're going to be taken care of. If the coaches are good, 
the community's great. You know you feel that vibe. It's the same thing. You know you're going to be taken care of. And I was, but, I, you know, I was gently beat up. I guess you can say that. Uh, forced to tap, tap many times. And I was obsessed at that time. And the reason I, I didn't want to say is I didn't join for just to defend myself is because I was already highly into MMA. And at that time, Conor McGregor was going through his come up and I was watching Conor McGregor. I was like, I want to be like that guy. I was just like, damn. But I, w I trained it as a hobbyist because um, I was still super obsessed at that time with CrossFit. So I was focused on CrossFit. I was coaching at two different gyms. Then I would, I would literally like coach a 5 p.m. class, work out from six to seven, like a heavy CrossFit workout, drive straight to the jujitsu gym, the jujitsu class started at 7.15, start the 7.15 class, do that to 8.30. I just loved working out. And after that, I would like go for a run or something. I would do like four workouts in a day. I was ridiculous. I even think about that today and I'm just like, <laughs> wow, like I did not care about my body. But I trained for the next two years or so because I stayed in my hometown for community college to get my associates. And for those two years, I trained, I got my blue belt. And as soon as I got my blue belt, it was maybe two or three more months that I moved to San Marcos, where it's uh, for Texas State University. And when I trained, when I moved over here, I didn't have any money for a jujitsu gym. So I was trying to look for gyms just to train at. as far as CrossFit. I found the local gym to coach at, and I was there for a good while. And then COVID hit, and that MMA gym had their strength and conditioning coach that they lost due to COVID. Like he uh, moved away and they needed someone. They had heard my name, called me over. I talked to the owner and he said, yeah, man, uh, he talked about the pay and all this stuff. And then just said, you're on staff. So, you know, jujitsu, MMA, you can train for free. You don't have to worry about it. So that that's all I needed to hear. I was like, fuck yeah, I get to train. So I started training again, but again, purely as a hobbyist. Then it was more so when I knew I could sign up for a super fight, quote unquote, super fight, where it was a show, you know, you get your own walkout. It's kind of like UFC, but it's purely spectacle for jujitsu. So it's a grappling match. After that, I started to kind of get the bug for jujitsu, training it more, wanting to just, you know, having fun choking people out. And when I got my new coach, uh, we had gotten a different coach because the, our current coaching staff, the family had to move back to Brazil. So my current coach, Joel, Joel, he moved here and he's always been the guy that does IBJJF. He's been a Brazilian national champion. Like he's been all over the world, trained jujitsu with all the biggest names you can think of. And he just started pushing me like crazy. Let's go, let's go do IBJJF. Let's go do this. And we started doing it more. And the more we started doing it, I just started training harder and harder. And before I knew it, I became one of those guys that just, train for the big competitions and go to the big competitions. And it's because of him too, that it's crazy. Cause I don't, I see all these guys, right. That are on flow grappling on flow sports, putting all these videos out um, that these guys are the top guys in the division. They're number one. And then you go to these tournaments and you see these dudes. And at first it's like, like, Oh shit. You know, like, I'm like, these are the main dudes. Everyone talks about. These are the dudes who are killers. And you go against them, and it's just like not that um, not that they're they they are like world class champions themselves. But when you see them in person, it's like you realize they're human, just like you. They make mistakes, they make errors, 
they have, even though they train two to three times a day, when they show up on the mat, I can feel their power. I can feel them. And it's like, like we're here, we can compete. And it's been a, it's been, the challenge has been going and getting past that mental barrier where it's like, like forget their name, forget who they are, who, who everyone says they are, you're here and they've never gone against you. Let's give them some problems and see if they can figure it out, you know? And my coach, who I'm very appreciative for, Joel, that dude has, like, just been so, I guess, what's the word to say? Like, he literally is, he cares about one thing, and that's jujitsu. There's nothing else that dude cares about. So, literally, he wants me to drill one to two times a day. He's going to set those times. And if I don't have a partner to come show up, he shows up on his own time to show up and drill with me. And it's not him drilling on me too. It's just purely me doing the drills on him. That is it. So he's literally showing up just to be a dummy so I can drill on him. And then on top of that, he has the highest belief system in me where he's just like, dude, like you do not realize your potential in jujitsu. Like you, from what I've seen on the mats and the training, like you can be a world champion, you can do this. And of course, potential is nothing unless you act on it, but seeing how much this guy who's seen everyone, who's, who's really competed some, against some of the biggest names himself, uh, comes to me and tells me like, dude, like you have what it takes. It's like, it's like every time you go to a tournament, you just don't want to disappoint him because he puts in so much effort and so much time to me that I want him to see that his athlete is on top of the game and i've even every time after i lose i literally go up to him and i'm, I'm sorry i disappointed you like and he'll tell me you didn't disappoint me it's just because as you know jujitsu is more of a mind game it's it's a chess game it, it's that's what it is sometimes there's mental errors you forget and then he always tells me you didn't disappoint me we just gotta go back to the drawing board that's it go back to training but yeah sorry to ramble on a little bit about that but that, that's that's been the process of going from a hobbyist to a competitive athlete, jujitsu, two completely different things. Um, but it is so much fun, man. So much fun. And sometimes I wish I can go back to being a hobbyist because that's where you can enjoy it more. And that's where it's like, you know, it's just you're relaxed. All right, I'm going to go to 6 p.m. jujitsu or 7 p.m. jujitsu, whatever time your class is. And then when it's your competitive, it's it's work. You're, you're dragging yourself to the gym, dude. There's sometimes, and I work, that's another thing too. I work at that gym. So it's hard to go to do your competitive, hard, hard training at the same place you work at and you're at for so many hours of the day, because you're always going to see that place as like the works place. You get me? You see as this is a place you walk into and you have to be working and then you have to switch gears from coach to now I'm athlete. I'm on the mats and I need to train hard. And a lot of those days, dude, you are dragging yourself, man. And I, I would say it's more than the others where you really want to train. But I love it, dude. I love it. And when I go compete, the adrenaline rush, being able to just, you know, go at it, the people screaming, like wanting to see you succeed in that match or get a tap and, it's just, it's awesome, man. I love it. I love jujitsu. I'm never going to stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, man. The, I mean, the way you describe it, it sums up exactly why I don't want to be a competitor. Just because, I mean, that's what it takes. It's like, it's hard work. And and I know that from weightlifting. I mean, the top people are training five, six days a week, 
two, three hours minimum. And that, that's what everybody's mm-hmm. doing. So to, to do that into something else where it's a hobby for, it's like weird. Cause it's a, it's a hobby for most people. And then there are people who are taking this to the highest level. I mean, that's, that's really anything there. There's levels to everything. I'm podcasting is the same way. There's people who do it for fun. And then there's people who do it professionally. And that's the only thing that they're doing. So exactly. It, I mean, it's, it's probably difficult to go from that. Like when you enjoy it so much and it's fun and yeah, you show up with your buddies and 6 PM hits after work. And it's like, it's like this, uh, reunion kind of thing. And then you go home after and like, you're a little bit sore, but it's not like you're trying to break anybody's arm or, or really put somebody to sleep. But when you're going at that top level, it's, I mean, every day is kind of like a war. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you, you do kind of plan out your days where it's like, we're going to die down the tempo today. We're not going to go as hard today. We're going to focus on the drills. And when we drill, it's not going to be, you know, high tempo, one minute, as fast as you can go, as many reps as you can do, rest 30 seconds, repeat for five sets or something. It, there's some days where it's just, this is a technique. I want you to drill this technique for the next 10 to 15 minutes. I want you to go slow. I want you to feel every part of this uh, drill. So it's just like everything it could be a knee slice, which is passing guard. And I know to some people who don't know jiu-jitsu, this is going to sound like Chinese, but uh, a knee slice to passing their guard, which is passing their legs while they're lying on the floor to a transition to take the back going into a choke. I want you to feel every single part of that. So your knee going over their thigh, your arm under hooking their far side arm, that same sidearm grabbing their tricep and pulling it up as tight as you can, driving your elbow up so that way they can feel like there's no retraction in that tricep because the triceps blocks, they can't pull their elbow back. Just feeling every small part of that detail and perfecting it. So when you do it in live and do it fast, it's just like breaking down a snatch, breaking down a clean and jerk. Sometimes you have to go back to the PVC pipe or the barbell, just do the simple liftoffs the pulls, the things where you have to focus on the small parts and go slow and feel the barbell. It's the exact same thing. And you repeat it over and over. And then there's these days where you go heavy on the bar, where you're pushing the weight, where it's maybe you got a knee mom where you're doing one every minute on the minute at like 85%. It's the same thing. And then we push our, our, our pace on the drills when we start getting closer to, uh, closer to the time to go to war, man. <laughs> How do the competitions work? Like, say a Pan Ams or Worlds, like how do you qualify for that? So for Pan Ams or Worlds, you you don't need to qualify. It simply takes just registering. But you do need to qualify if you are a black belt. Because in the black belt, they only want black belts are actively competing. And there's now there's a good amount of black belts, right? So they don't want just anyone showing up. So for the black belts, the people who are going to showcase what would be the highest level of jujitsu, they're going to make sure you're a competitor. You've been competing, you've placed at a few tournaments, and they have their own point system. You need a certain amount of points to be able to register. However, for brown, belt, and under, you don't need any of that. You just need to show up and sign up pretty much. Now, anyone can show up, and those numbers do stack up, especially when it comes to worlds. Like this past... uh, month when i competed at the gi world championships in my division i believe there was like 70 guys signed up in the division so it's just like eight different brackets all the guys ranked amongst 
how much you've competed, if you've placed, if you've gotten your own certain amount of points or whatever. And then from there, you're putting your own respective bracket and then you just go. But man, some of those dudes, it's because you can be, you can have the, the number one dude who you think has won all these tournaments. He's probably going to show up and win, but a random dude can show up from in the States or Brazil that, that year and just completely fuck everyone up. And it just, it doesn't matter at that point, you know? Um, but yeah, anyone can show up and compete. But of course, anyone that shows up to these Panams or Worlds, they know. More or less the blue belts, some of them will be like dabbling out if they're going to be those people who often compete. I mean, some people just go to Panams or Worlds for the experience, you know? They're like, I'm going to go compete. And maybe they win a match or two, but they're just there to see what it's like to like compete at such a high-level tournament. And then there's those guys who show up every year, who go to all the IBJJF tournaments. Now, it is expensive and hard to do, uh, but throughout that, since I've started competing as a blue belt, now purple, I know most of the guys who go to all the competitions because you see their names so often, you know what they look like, you see them walk around, you know that they're always at the tournaments, they're always uh, trying to just improve their game, improve their experience, and get ready for the next biggest competition. So you see those guys around a lot and you kind of keep tabs on each other too. And I say that because when I competed yesterday, I know there was a guy that was stalking my Instagram that I competed against. So I was like, I, I see him. I see him coming coming through and trying to see uh, what I'm doing to prepare. But yeah, we all, it's it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. And I, I recommend even for yourself competing because I know you say you don't want to compete, but you don't have to compete at the Pan Ams, at the Worlds. There's a bunch of like good, really uh, more local tournaments like Grappling Industries uh, is a really, really good one. I recommend uh, Grappling Industries, Naga, um, Jiu-Jitsu World League is, is pretty good. Jiu-Jitsu World League, however, is getting pretty big. But Grappling Industries, they go everywhere. They always put on great local tournaments, like especially when they do one in San Antonio, which they're going to do one, I think, like next month. It's round robin. So IBJJF, when you lose, you're out. So if you if you spend all this money, you go to the world championships and you go and you lose in the first round, that's it. Like you're not competing anymore. And grappling industries, however, is round robin. So if you have five guys signed up for your division, then you're going to go against each of those dudes. Even if you lose against all of them, you're still going to get five matches, which is good, especially if you're just looking to go out and compete and have some fun. And I'd highly recommend it. And I'd recommend competing, even if you're a hobbyist in jiu-jitsu, because it's it's in the in the gym, you're you can go a hundred percent, but it's very different when you know like it's there's something on the line. Even if you're just competing for experience, you, there's gonna be a dude across the mat who you've never met before, and you've never rolled with him, he's never rolled with you, and he's gonna come at you hard. You don't know what he's gonna throw at you. So it's not like you're showing up to the gym and you know this guy plays a certain technique. You know this guy likes to pull guard. You know this guy likes to wrestle. You have no idea how this guy's going to come at you. So you're going to go hard. You get the biggest adrenaline rush ever. And then it's like, especially at white belt, you sometimes freeze up and it's just like becomes such a grip battle that your forearms blow up and it's the most insane workout ever. I'd recommend doing it because it is fun. And it's just also kind of, you get to see how you do under some pressure. And, and in jiu-jitsu yeah i mean i saw uh, a couple weeks ago i was watching the ufc and the one girl jessica rose clark got she got armbarred and 
just completely broke her arm. And I'm like, what, like, what if you show up to a competition and in 10 seconds you get arm barred and break your arm? Like, is that worth it? To me, so, I feel like at this point it's not. So look, you're, the chances of you getting something broken is you would think in jujitsu it'd be very high. Now it's higher than others because obviously that's what we're hunting for. We're hunting for a submission, whether it's a joint lock or choke of some kind, whatever it may be. But when when you compete, it's just different. You're not you're not if you get caught, you're gonna tap. And yeah. for the most part, especially like the judge, he's gonna stop it right then and there. If you have a decent competitor who doesn't have the biggest ego in the world, they're gonna let go right then and there as soon as they feel that tap. Same thing in the training room, right? Uh, as soon as you feel that tap, it's over. It's going to be done. Now, I would say you will break the limb, however, if you just don't tap, you know, <laughs> what you're not supposed to do. I remember at Worlds last year, I in the second round, which unfortunately I ended up losing, but um, I was down 14-0. This guy had uh, just basically mounted me. He was knee on belly. He was holding my gi under me, so he was able to keep me on the ground for a long time. And I could hear my coach Joel literally screaming his lungs away, just like pissed off. Just like I'm down like 16-0. There's a minute left. 99% chance I'm losing this match, right? And he just wanted to see me make something happen. And I was fed up too. I'd been on the floor for the past like four and a half minutes. And so I buck him off of me. And I can see that he, the, the guy I went against, just looked at the clock saw about a minute left and decided to relax it's just a subtle look and the look back and it's just like i'm up 16-0 i have nothing to worry about i'm gonna lay back but the thing is as i bucked him off i came up and he had his arm stretched out so he had his arm stretched out i circle around him i grab his arm and i just go straight into an arm bar he somehow gave me his arm and thought like he's gonna be fine and i can uh, from rewatching the video, he had a calm face because he didn't think I could finish the armbar, but I had his wrist locked in. So he couldn't rotate his wrist. So his elbow was completely pointed down towards my hips, thrusting my hips through. Then he started to realize he got me in an armbar. He might beat me. There's 45 seconds left. So I go straight to his armbar after being down 16-0 and on the floor for like four and a half minutes. And everyone's screaming their lungs out, just like, break his arm, break his arm. <laughs> And I literally grab his wrist that's coming over my hip. And it's no longer I'm just holding two, uh, two hands on his wrist. I'm literally grabbing and forcing it down so I can break it. Because he's not tapping. He's, he's just not tapping. So when you're there at that point and you don't tap, a break is going to happen. And that's essentially what happened. I just remember hearing the most disgusting noise because I'd never wanted to do this to someone. But I snapped it all the way through. And all he did was he grabbed his elbow and I let go because I thought the match was over. I was like, I broke this dude's arm clean. And the ref stood us up because we had stepped out of bounds and started us again. Just said fight. I look at the clock. There's 18 seconds left. I'm so confused because I just broke his arm. And I'm looking at the ref like his arm's broken. And everyone's just yelling at me, go. So there's 18 seconds left. I look, I look at my opponent and he's just grabbing his arm and I straight up sprint to him and he just back 
takes a few back steps like he has no idea what to do i jump on him i grab his other arm and i go into an arm bar on the other arm and he wasn't gonna tap to that one either so i was about to break both of his arms and then boom the bell goes off bell goes off had him in arm bar but i didn't do any damage to the other arm i broke his other arm but this dude thought i'm not gonna tap and i know people do that at like the world championships or pan ams they won't tap because it is the biggest competition of the year and they're world champion and they think somehow they can just break a limb and go on to the next match because they'll win. Uh, but it didn't happen for this guy. The I saw the medical staff tending to him and they literally told him like, you're done. Do not <laughs> compete. But this guy literally went to the next match. He goes and competes in the third round. The, comp- the opponent he was going against knew that I broke his arm. So he went for that same arm and Kimura that arm and bad. So that dude was out for the next dude, like at least eight. He might still be out for all I know because he really messed up. And that's what happens when you don't tap. That's why you should tap. <laughs> what other mistakes do you see? people making like especially beginners what what mistakes do you see people when they say first start training that you see often white belts making well it depends what you mean by mistakes or like because there there could be mistakes if you're trying to be competitive but if you're just trying to be a hobbyist i wouldn't say they're mistakes it's just what do you want to focus on if you if you show up every day for an hour then I wouldn't say you're making any mistake. Just try to be consistent. It's like doing any kind of hobby. You're not going to see progress unless you have some consistency to it. Maybe doing it at minimum three times a week. So if you show up one time a week in jujitsu and you've been doing that for the past six months and you're like, well, I haven't gotten better. Well, yeah, you not, you're not going to get better at anything doing it one time a week. You have to be consistent at it. So mistakes, I wouldn't say there's any to make unless you're trying to be a competitor. If you're being a competitor, then, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes. You have to make mistakes when you roll. There's, you're, I mean, it's impossible for anyone to show up and just be perfect at a craft, right? So you're going to make mistakes. You just learn from it and fix it. Fix it and just keep going and repeat that process over and over and over every day pretty much. I guess at this point, like, I mean, you lose in the gym so much that you're kind of just okay with losing in a in a match because it's like what's the worst thing that happens is you just you tap out and the match ends where Mm -hmm. you're doing that in the gym constantly especially me as a white belt i'm doing that 10 15 20 times a class and it's like i'm losing it basically every time and it's it's still fun so i think like that's something maybe in the beginning i i didn't think that I guess I had this unrealistic expectation that it wasn't going to be like that. Like mm-hmm. I knew I was going to suck, but I didn't know I was going to suck as bad as I did. How long have you been doing jujitsu? Probably eight months or so. Eight months. Okay. So with white, with being a white belt, what you need to understand is progress. There are some people just like in any sport that come into a sport or an art and just, learn so fast and are able to pick up on things quicker than others and prog and progress a lot faster. But what's important is not to look to the left or the right and compare yourself. You're in a different journey. You're on your own journey. You have stuff outside the gym to worry about that. These other people 
don't worry about. They have other separate things to worry about, right? That's what makes your journey unique. Now, you've been trained for eight months. What I would say is, even if you go to a gym that you get tapped 15 and 20 times at, um, you could be at a high level gym where maybe there is more competitors. And also, when you show up, especially as a white belt, you really see your progression through being able to battle longer in certain positions than before. So maybe a guy had your back, right? Let's say you went against a blue bar or purple bow in a roll. And let's say first time you roll with them, they took your back, choked you in five seconds. It wasn't even a battle. Maybe next time they take your back, however, three months down the line, um, they take your back and it almost takes them the whole roll to figure out how to choke you out. Now you've progressed. You've learned how to defend yourself much longer. And then when it comes to you being on the offensive and getting submissions, you really see yourself against people who are newer. So I didn't even get my first submission until maybe three months of doing jujitsu. I swear. Imagine three months of doing that. Imagine three months of going into Olympic weightlifting and not hitting a snatch. It's <laughs> like, like imagine that. Um, so I didn't hit a submission until three months in. So it's the most humbling thing to know that like, this is hard. This is going to take a lot of work. This is not easy. And it's definitely not easy. That's, that's why I know there's a statistic out there that like 75% of people who get their blue belt in jujitsu stop. They stop doing jujitsu because it's hard. So they get that first blue belt. And then it's, I think they call it the blue belt blues. Like where you're just like, all right, I'm good. I got my blue belt in jujitsu. Um, but for me, it didn't happen like that at all. It was just like, I kept being obsessed, kept being obsessed. And that's the thing. Just keep, just keep learning from every single mistake you make. And uh, if you want to see pro progress out of jujitsu, again, being consistent and also wanting to figure out how to get out of those things that you keep struggling with. So what I would do when I was a white belt, there was a guy I would watch on YouTube all the time. Uh, they call him Chewy, Jiu-Jitsu. And he makes great videos, especially for beginners of white belt, uh, beginners of Jiu-Jitsu who don't understand how jujitsu works, maybe uh, there are certain techniques he goes over, or maybe they had a question, they were stuck in a certain position, what do I do to get out of it? What do I do on the offensive here? He makes all those videos. So there was a lot of videos where uh, I got stuck with someone in my back. How do I get out of back tape? When someone's on the mount, what are five different ways I can get someone off? And then from there, I'll try all five different ways, and maybe there's one that I like. And the one that I like, I'll just hone in on and work at making that work all the time. Then when it stops working, that's when it's time to switch it up, learn a different one. And then same thing. That's just how you're going to progress. So you got to, whatever you get stuck on that day, that really bugs you when you leave the jiu-jitsu gym, I would say go home. There's a five-minute video on everything. Just look at any five-minute video of how to get out of that uh, position or submission or whatever it is, and then try to implement implement that the next day. Just try to... Maybe bring a friend over to the side. Hey, I saw a technique. Can I just try it on you a few times? And then maybe they'll like it so much they'll do it with you. And then you just start doing the drill for a little bit. And that's the way you can start to progress just slowly. But it takes time. Jiu-Jitsu is something you really have to be patient for. If you, you're not going to, you can't expect to come in and just start choking people out left and right. It's not like, I know a lot of people watch 
the UFC or they're watch anything with uh, jujitsu and they want to do it. And they think it's just like, they're going to walk in and be able to start doing it. It's like, it's not going to happen. You gotta, you gotta be patient. It takes time. Just keep showing up every day. And that it's a very, very humbling art, which I love. I love it. And that's why I'll keep doing it because no matter what, every day I walk on the mat, someone is going to do something to me where I'm not in a favorable position. Someone's going to hip toss me. Someone's going to do a double leg on me. Someone might choke me out. Someone might get me in an arm bar. And I have to go home that day knowing they caught me that time. And it's more than like, you're not going to show up at the gym and be perfect across the board. You're not going to show up and just not get submitted or not get caught in something. Someone's always sneaky with something. And so you, every day you're going to have to be learning and patient. And that's why I think everyone should do jujitsu, man. Jujitsu is jujitsu's life, pretty much. <laughs> I think there's a lot of value in realizing that like there there's always something where people are just gonna be so much better at you that you can't literally you can't do anything. There is nothing you can do about this black belt. If they wanna choke you, they will choke you in three seconds. And like how many people just go through life and you, you go to work and you know exactly what your boss expects of you and then you go to the gym and you know exactly what what you're going to do that day. People who go to Planet Fitness and they do their three sets of 10 and then you know what you're going to eat every day and you, you just – you have so all boring. this routine. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I think there's value in just being completely humbled and knowing, hey, this person could kill me if they wanted to and there's nothing you can do about it. And I think that – I enjoy that, like knowing that. And then when you leave the gym, I think it also gives you like a deeper respect and and you kind of look at people differently because I've noticed at my gym, there's people who, who walk in and you're like, oh, look at this guy. Like he's not going to be good. And then like he puts the black belt on and you're like, oh shit, this guy like is a trained killer. So I think that's something I've taken away from it is like, you, I mean, you never know who you're looking at on the street. Like, is that person a black oh, yeah. belt? Are they able to, like, that's somebody who you should definitely not get in a fight with. Not that I was going to get in fights before. The signal is usually the cauliflower ear. You see the ear, <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, that dude's a killer. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But do you have do you have a goal as far as, like, do you want to get your black belt or do you are you more focused on competing and kind of right here right now well i'm always gonna be more right here right now but future goals yeah definitely man um like black belt is not something i question of if it will happen it's just like it's gonna happen and, and through time i don't question if it's gonna happen in the next two years or the next five years i know it's gonna come and uh my focus is right now focus on just enjoying the art as much as possible while progressing myself in the art and i love to learn and of course i love to be a coach there's times where like people get stuck on certain techniques and they like the way i coach not just the strength and conditioning but when i help them out and i help them understand jujitsu techniques when we're on the mats maybe they're because everyone learns differently uh not everyone's going to understand the technique the best just 100 from the way the professor showed it and while well, I have experience, you know, doing coach, I, that's what I do. And so I guess people do tend to like uh, the way sometimes I, I can 
portray technique and exactly how it should feel, what your opponent should feel and what you should feel when you're doing it. And being able to be in the here and be right now, as far as jujitsu is, that's what you need to do. You can't ever look to the future. I know white belts do that a lot more, especially because when you're a white belt, when you think, oh man, when am I going to get my blue belt? Am I going to get my blue belt? Maybe if you go to a school where they do like a stripe system, you got your four stripes, you're like, man, I wonder when I'm going to get that blue belt. And it's a lot of people think about, but also think about that statistic. People get their blue belt and they're like, all right, they'll maybe train for a year or two more, but a lot don't go on to purple. You have to focus on enjoying the art. Enjoy the art, be in the now, just look to progress daily. Don't look for, you know, a promotion or whatever it may be. Because when you start to focus on that, then it's just, it's not, you're not there with the intention of getting better at jujitsu. And I know that's more like, I want to say philosophical, but like, it's just different. You need to be in the mindset of wanting to get better at your craft and not getting a certain reward out of it. You got to be, you got to do it for the love of it. And I mean, that's, that's what you should be doing with anything in your life. You, uh, with work, with, uh, with what you decide to do as a hobby. If you, if you don't love it, then you're not going to want to progress at it. You're not going to enjoy the little things. And that's the most important thing. You got to be able to enjoy the little things, you know, the small, the small battle wins. That's what, that's what keeps you going and fuels your fire from day to day. Yeah, just I've just been uh, talking about this on the podcast a bunch recently, but I read uh, Jordan Peterson's book, uh, 12 More Rules for Life, and he talks about like you, you don't get to choose what your hobbies are. You don't get to choose what you're interested in. So for you, it's just jujitsu. Like you just live that, and that's what what you want to do. Like you're always watching videos. You're always trying to learn the techniques after class. And mm-hmm. I mean like chase that there there's like something that always holds us back from doing that like pursuing something not for the belt or not for you know winning world championships but just pursue it because you like to do it and see where it takes you like yeah maybe you'll be world champion maybe you won't but if you don't pursue every single day and like show up to class and and watch the technique videos and practice on your friends like you're never going to know how far you could could have taken it versus if you're just like you're thinking every day like oh i just want to be world champion and you're oh, only looking at that thing definitely i was actually having some of a uh, similar conversation with uh, my girlfriend yesterday because she competed as well and we both got outcomes we weren't proud of in our own respective matches and uh i was telling her the one speech i like to listen to uh, I like to listen to a few things before my matches to get in the zone, but there's one thing I love to listen to and I'll listen to it at least 10 times before. And it's a speech, the man in the arena by Theodore Roosevelt. That is like the best one. It's just, you're going to show up every day and it is the person, you know, the man in the arena, the man who shows up, who dares to be great, who dares to find out the unknown. It's about that. You might go to Pan Ams. You might go to world championships. Who knows if I'm ever going to be a world champion? Will I? Maybe. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But it's the fact that I'm willing to step on the mat and I'm willing to find out. I'm going to test myself, whether it's whoever they put in front of me. Could be the number one dude in the world who's won every match, who's been undefeated, who's never lost. I won't care. I'm going to go at him. I'm going to give him everything I got. 
and then we're going to fight. We're going to find out. We're going to find out that day. And that's the way I think you got to attack any goal you have with whatever you do. Just don't care about the height, the obstacle, uh, the height of the obstacle or whatever it is that's in front of you. Just focus on your goal. If you love what you do and it, it is your passion, you know there is nothing else you'd rather be doing it, then set yourself out to go and do that and nothing but that. I remember thinking at 18 when I had to start thinking of uh, what am I going to do with my life pretty much. Um, I'd already started coaching and stuff and I really started to get into coaching. But I was so obsessed with doing CrossFit, jujitsu, doing all these things. I thought, is there any way where I can just do this for the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, can I can I lift? Can I go do jujitsu? Can I learn and push myself and still make a living and be able to, you know, just do what I genuinely love? And I remember telling myself in high school, there's just no way I could ever get a regular like the nine to five, you know, working at an office or something. If I ever have an office, it's going to be in my own gym. That's the only way I said I'd have an office. You have to set goals for yourself, see that path, and understand no one's going to see that path besides yourself. You're going to have people on the side telling you you can't do this or you can't do that. And it may not even be doubt. It may be those times you're talking with friends and you don't even realize it, but those friends doubt you slightly. And they'll say, or people you might think of as friends at the times, and they may doubt you slightly and say why you can't do this or can't do that. And those times you may not think about it, but those times bring you down and you'll start to think of why you really can't do those things. But in the most simple words, fuck that, like, fuck that. Do what you want to do. Push yourself to do it. And if you have the mind for it, if you have the, the mental strength to take anything and anyone, I promise you, you will go far in whatever it is you want to do. Because if you see that path and you push yourself to do it, it doesn't have to be a sport. It could be in your work or whatever it is you will get there by any means possible. And that's just the mindset you need to have. You can't, you can't be scared of the unknown. You can't be scared of the what ifs. And that's the biggest thing for me, especially. Uh, I always tell myself that I do not want to be 80 plus years of age, 90, however long I live, uh, I end up living. I do not want to be on my deathbed and think at this point in my life, I could have gave it more. I could have done this my what ifs like what if i did this what if i did that it is the biggest thing ever to me and i i tend to see time differently than people i feel like i can look down the line and 30 years down the line can look like a week from now to me and while that is good and bad um it creates a sense of urgency inside myself to get shit done to move on a daily basis to not you know kind of meddle when it's when times get tough like just really letting the tough times get to you and you start to feel bad for yourself. You start to question things. I do have days, obviously, every now and then. Every Everyone has them where you're down and you're thinking just the worst of yourself. You're thinking you don't deserve to be where you're at or you don't deserve this. Why Why should you go do this when you couldn't do this or whatever, whatever it may be that you're thinking. But you have to learn to be able to flip that switch and tell yourself, like, look, dude, you're the fucking man. Look how far you've gotten. If you think about where you are today, forget your past. If you just, um, there was a, like a little saying, I saw someone said it, where it's just, if you forget about your past and think about if you were just born right now into the position, into the body where you're at, what you're doing right now, what would you think of yourself? You would think like, shit, like I'm pretty, I'm in a fucking awesome spot. 
So forget the struggles, understand where you're at, keep working at them to make it the life that you want to live and fucking go after all those goals you want, dude. Like, I mean, you got one life. It's so crazy to me that people don't see or like not don't see, but truly realize you have one single life and any single day something could happen to you where for whatever reason you're no longer on this earth. And to me, that creates a sense of drastic urgency in myself to get shit done whether it's with my business, helping people on a daily basis, or pursuing a world championship. I just want to fucking get after it. I want to freaking beat my mind up, get after it in a workout, and know I'm getting stronger every day, mentally, physically, and staying on top of my own journey. And that's it. I just focus on my own journey. Don't focus on what this person's doing, what this person's to the left or the right is doing. I'm going to do me, and that is it. And I feel like if everyone just focuses on that, focuses on strengthening their mind, which is the most important part, they can literally do whatever they want. Like, just like, fuck the excuses. Fuck the, uh, I don't, like, I got this going on. I got to do this. Like, dude, there are straight up excuses. There's so many people pursuing their dreams and doing the biggest things that had the biggest doubters, that had the biggest obstacles in life. I mean, you hear the stories about Goggins and all these guys, um, it's insane. It's insane. And their stories just literally show you, you can do whatever you want if you really set your mind to it. Yeah. One thing I've been getting into lately or not getting into is like, like you said, not comparing yourself to other people. But I always used to be that person. If I got into a hobby or if I got into something like my first thing would be go look up videos on this thing and go find out people who did this well. And I mean, I do that with the podcast a lot. Like you see all these people who are just at a level and it's like, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. Like, how did they get, you know, 400,000 subscribers? How do they have a million listeners? But if you, I mean, if you try to copy them and if you try to just do what they're doing, you're not going to be as good as they are at it. But if you just like, if I, you know, it, like I could ask people to come on the podcast who have a hundred thousand Instagram followers and maybe, it'd be, maybe it get a little more, engagement and get a little more listeners but like for me i mean i'm into jujitsu right now like i go out and i find a person who's really passionate about jujitsu like yourself and we have a really good conversation and it's like however many people listen to it doesn't really matter and like where i am or where you're at in this present moment doesn't really matter it's just like if you if you keep doing that and stacking it on top of each other and on top of each other you look five, 10 years down the line and it's like, oh shit, I did all these things and you didn't even know that you were doing them in the time, but like you just were doing what you enjoyed doing. Exactly. So like, yeah, just, I mean, just asking, asking for approval or asking for people like, how did you do that? Instead of just doing it and being like, oh, I made a, and I mean, jujitsu, like, you know, you make a million mistakes all the time. You're making million. mistakes. And it's like, all right, well, maybe I'll, I'll try to not do that again. And then you do it again and you fuck it up and you fuck it up and you fuck it up. And then finally, it's like, okay, I, I, I think I can do that. And then like you keep stacking that on. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, now I'm getting a little bit fired up because what you were talking about, but like that, that martial arts path, I'm able to see that in kind of everything I do now. And I'm fucking terrible at jujitsu. And like people say, like, oh, you can't be that bad. And it's like, no, I am that fucking bad. 
but I love doing it. Like I, I go in and I enjoy it. I enjoy getting beat up and it's like that you can, you can do it for the process and for no other reason as like not going to be a world champion, not going to, you know, be a black belt tomorrow, but I'm just going to do it cause I like doing it. And then tomorrow when that rolls around, I'll see how I feel and then I'll do it again. I promise you, you're not that bad because you come from an athletic background. Now imagine people who have no athletic background and have to figure out movement followed by grafting. So I'm pretty sure you're a decent, you're, you're, you're a pretty good white belt. You're a lot better than others. It's, it's funny because I, I was competing in weightlifting for a while. So I, I never really wanted to try like not, not try, but I didn't want to waste all my energy. Cause I knew I was going to train later tonight or tomorrow. Like I had a big mm-hmm. session and now I don't have to worry about that. I'm not competing as much anymore. I haven't been weightlifting much lately, but now the instruct the instructor last week was telling me like you're strong use it like you're not using any of your strength (laughs) and i'm like oh wait like i don't have to worry about heavy workout i can actually like fight for these grips and like really dig in and not worry about if it's going to affect me later yeah man uh dude jujitsu yeah especially if you have something else to focus on that time time you'd be thinking about that but dude I've seen your videos of how much you lift, man. You are strong. You should be using your strength. Now, don't use your strength too much because then you'll get used to just only using your strength. Of course, focus on the technique. But, dude, if you have the strength and you mix it in there, that's one of the biggest things that, I mean, I use. That's my big factor for me is my strength and my power. And even my coach tells me, he's like, dude, like in the weight category you are, there's no one stronger than you. There's no one with more power than you. You have to learn how to do the techniques, of course, as perfect as possible, but use your strength and power while you're doing those techniques and they're going to feel it. And if you do the technique to a T, they're going to feel it, man. And when you feel it in jiu-jitsu, you feel that power on top of you. When you feel just a beast of a person on top of you doing a guard pass or taking you down with a double leg or taking your back and trying to do a lapel choke like a bow and arrow, I mean, when you feel that, you know, like, this guy's been fucking working, you know? <laughs> it's funny because in jujitsu, everything's like, use your strength, but don't use it too much. And then somebody tells you, relax. And then, okay, now I'm relaxed. And like, people are just smashing me. So it, it's that constant <laughs> battle of like, do this, but you can't overdo that. Or it's that's why That's why it's a, they consider it like a chess match. Because it's like, it's a, it's a mental match where you're both, trying to move your own pieces you're both trying to figure each other out you both have your own unique game and then within your own unique game you have to know when to flip that switch to use your strength or when to flip the switch to only use your power in a certain a certain movements when to start to speed up and just be relentless on trying to pass someone's guard when to rest and settle down like okay right now we're in a position where we can maybe take a 10 second breather just Deep breaths. All right, figure out your grips. Figure out your grips. As soon as he has a reaction where he moves his foot from half guard to outside, I'm going to work on passing again. And it's just like knowing when to just relax, push, relax, relax, stabilize, stabilize, hold, and then boom, push. It's, yeah, it's a constant, it's a constant switch between those. So I see like how much intensity you're able to bring to your athletic side. As far as coaching, like what type of athletes are you primarily working with? I know you're at the MMA gym and then you're working with clients on your own. Are you working with the everyday people? 
I mean, I'd imagine that you're not dealing with people who are as motivated as you are all the time. <laughs> um, sometimes, actually, I do get people who are motivated as me. Um, for the most part, I'm doing general population right now. Um, but I do get athletes here and there who will come to me for um, their own custom like strength program looking to prep for a fight, prep for whatever it is that they do in their own respective sport. Um, but for the most part, I do general population. And I've thought about maybe like switching my focus to, I've always wanted to help, you know, youth athletes. So athletes uh, in middle school, athletes in high school, because to me, the one of the main things that really, or a big thing rather, that really pushed me to coach is I remember being in the high school uh, weight room, you know, for football. Those are always the best, right? And I was in there seeing just, and I was high into CrossFit at this time. Knew I had a good understanding of technique and what each lift required and seeing the lifts in the room by high school athletes. Oh my gosh, so much backgrounding, some of the worst technique. The, the hang cleans were just basically muscle cleans, guys curling the bar, especially the biggest linemen guys. So seeing that and knowing I could help all these guys, I was just like, I want to help them. I want to help coach them. Obviously, at the time I was a high school athlete, there's like no safe for me. And so, but it, it pushed me to think I want to help people in this situation or just help high school athletes. So that was my first goal. But in helping everyday population general population it has been great man like i love to help them and make them realize that the progress you're going to see in the gym and in your overall lifestyle comes through what we were talking about and just being patient showing up every day being consistent in these things and it's just something you need to implement daily um so being able to train the general population has been just something I love because I'm able to show them that you're going to have great days where you come into the gym and you kill it, whatever workout, whatever lift you have on the day, maybe you hit a new one rep, three rep max, whatever it is, you come into the workout, you get the best score of the day. Then there's going to be the days where you drag yourself to the gym, where you don't want to be there. The warm up is the worst workout. The warm up only is just the worst thing ever. And you're like, man, fuck this. I want to be anywhere but here. And then you start to get into the groove of it. And maybe the workout, you get through it. But you know, at the end of the day, at least at, at the very least, I showed up and I got it done. I got it done. And that's the main thing I tell everyone to do. Uh, my biggest thing is what I tell, uh, tell the people that I coach is just show up. That's it. All you need to do is walk through those double doors. You walk through the double doors into the gym and I will take care of the rest. And what I mean by that is you're going to show up. You're not going to have anything to think about besides action. You're just going to do the movements I say, because I'm going to lead you through the warm up. I'm going to tell you what movements you're doing and how to properly do them. What technique each of these movements ask for, why we're doing them and why they're prepping us for the strength or the workout that we're about to do. Then we go into the strength work. I'm going to go over the movements. I'm going to explain exactly what you're doing, your reps, your rest. We're going to get that done. Okay. And then after that, we're going to move on to the workout. So I'm going to take care of every part of thinking you have to do. All you have to really think about is what weights am I going to grab? That's it. Besides that, you're completing action. 
So if you're having a horrible day, all you have to do is walk through the doors and I'm going to lead you through the workout. And at the very least, when, when you have a day where you're dragging yourself to the gym, this is why I think CrossFit was able to build such a huge community, especially when they started, is because even when you're having a shit day, you can show up and you're going through just could be a horrendous workout. And you look to your left, you look to your right, there's people suffering just as you. Maybe some of those just came off a 12-hour shift at the oil rigs. Some of them just came out of their own regular nine to five. Some of them have been doing their own, or maybe someone else just had a horrible type of day where they don't even want to be there themselves. But all of them at that moment are doing suffering in that workout and pushing together through. And at the end of it, it just fist bumps all around. Great job, guys. Great job. Way to show up. Finish off with stretches. Finish off with a talk and let them know. Thank you for showing up. Way to be consistent. Now I want to see you here tomorrow. Tomorrow, say the times of the day that we're having class. You better be here. And it's just accountability within each other. Because everyone knows I'm going to be here tomorrow. Uh, happen to mention the lift for tomorrow. This is the lift we're focusing on. Make sure you show up because it's going to lead to this next week or in two weeks down the line. And it's just, that is why I love to coach the general population. Because I get to show them that you have to be patient especially when it comes to your results, it's not going to be a straight line on the graph going continuously up, you know, seeing all these results and seeing progress and losing pounds or weight on the scale or whatever it may be. It's going to be fluctuating. Sometimes it's going to go up. Sometimes it's going to go down. But over the long haul, as you look at that graph, as long as it's somewhat continuing its way up, then you're seeing progress. And that's the main important thing is we want to see progress. And throughout coaching the general population and the people that have become consistent and show up every day. They just, I love to see them start to push themselves more. Some days I get tagged and it's uh, Fridays. We don't really do workouts, but I'll get tagged and people are showing up to the gym on a Friday, getting their workout in. Maybe they missed the workout. They'll show up and get their work in, or maybe there's a strength work. Uh, uh, we could be doing power cleans and let's say power cleans didn't go as well for them that day. They didn't, uh, they didn't hit the technique just right. So they show up Friday and they put extra work on their power cleans. And it's just seeing them do that on their own without me having to come up to them, ask them, or even bring up the idea shows me that I'm doing something right. And that's all I'm trying to do is really improve overall the notion about health and fitness and how it should be a priority across the board for everyone. I feel like if you increase your health and fitness, that's going to increase your confidence because every day you got to look in the mirror and you got to look at yourself. If you're not at least somewhat confident in yourself and you look at that body or you look at yourself and you're like, damn, that's a fucking beast right there. Then you're like, you think about it. You see that, you see that person, you think it, and then it just, it's what continues throughout the day. It doesn't have to even be about lifting, going to the gym. You see that, you think that you go into the work, you go into your office. You're going to think about that when you're going into your work. I'm going to be a madman. I'm going to get after it today. Whatever you're, work is or your craft is it's just confidence and it literally leads from health and fitness is going to bleed into every other aspect of your life and i firmly believe that if you create health and fitness as a priority everything else will all of a sudden just straight shot up you're going to see increase across the board yeah i mean just think about it when you get sick like when you get sick the only thing that you think about is i want to feel better and then exactly and then when you feel healthy, you're like, oh, I got this to do. I got this to do. I don't feel like doing this. You just have all these problems. But when your health is a problem, that's your only problem. Exactly. And not to like, I'm going to, 
I'm gonna go knock on some wood right now. All right, right here. Because I haven't been sick for the past, like, I'm not even kidding, like two years. And it's crazy. So I've, I've been thinking about that often. I actually coughed a few times today, so I was a little worried. But uh, when you focus on your health and fitness, when you focus on getting after it, when you focus on like what you're eating and how often you eat out, you know, that it all adds up. And when you get sick often, you have to look at what you're doing. Are you just staying inside all day? Are you inside closed doors? You're not getting any sunlight, not really sweating or doing anything like that. And you maybe you go out to the gym or you go for a walk one or two times a week. Yes, that's good. I'd rather have you do something than nothing. But if you're getting sick often, I, I feel like that's also a subtle tell of what you're what you're choosing to do as your priority. If you put a priority in getting a 30 minute sweat, at least 30 minute sweat each day, whatever it is, could be walking on a treadmill, could be jogging, could be biking, could be getting a small lifting session is uh, in. You do that, that is going to create more confidence as you see progress, because that is when you work out, you work out to see progress, physical progress on yourself. And as time progresses, yes, you have to be patient, but as time progresses, you're going to see that physical progress. Or maybe it takes one compliment from someone, you know, just walking by, Hey man, you look a lot slimmer, man. Like you're looking good. Someone you haven't seen in a while, man, you look great today. That one comment is like, hey, man, thank you. I have been working. I have been doing this. And it just starts to bleed a little bit more. You're like, that was a badass compliment. Now I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to fucking hit a great number of sets and reps or whatever it may be. And it's just it starts to push you a lot more and more. And I, I think you put health and fitness at the priority, man. It's just it's going to bleed into every single aspect of your life. Yeah, a thousand percent, man. Well, we're coming up. We're almost at an hour and 20. So, uh, Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll definitely have you back if you, if you're ever interested, we'll definitely get you back on the podcast, but where can people find you on Instagram or or work with you if they want to do take like in-person clients or how does that kind of work? I take in-person and online clients. So in-person, if you're in the San Marcos, uh, Austin area, I'll work with you. We have our own gym, uh, that I have at my house, my own private garage gym that I have all my equipment at. You can also work with me at, at the MMA Academy, but that is, they set their own stuff up. Um, but through outside, that's all me. You can contact me online. Also, I have uh, online, I take online clients so I can build you a custom strength and conditioning program, strength program, whatever your goals are, I will work with you. I love working with athletes, but also I genuinely love working with everyday people who are looking to progress. And maybe they've been going to some gym or have a specific coach, haven't been seeing results. I love to come in and see what they've been doing and maybe fix what they need, what needs to be fixed. So I take online clients through the custom uh, programs and also I have a, I have a, what is it? Sugar, like uh, we're on sugar wad. So on sugar wad, we have four separate programs that you can follow daily, only 30 bucks a month for that. And you get, for the most part, five to six workouts a week. We have a strength and conditioning, like a regular basic strength and conditioning. Then there's advanced strength and strength and conditioning, which I would say is more like heavy, heavy CrossFit, has handstand push-ups, muscle-ups, and all that good stuff. Then there's daily dose, which is a 30-minute workout, minimal equipment. Typically, if you're in a um, – it could be in a garage, you have minimal equipment, or if you're on the road, you have, you're at a hotel. And then push-pull. Push-pull is my favorite one, which is more for the people who just want to get lifted. Minimal conditioning work. More of the people who go to commercial gyms and want to get a nice pump in. 
it's a uh, upper and lower body split days. So we have all those set up. You can do that. You can do uh, custom programs with me and you can find me on Instagram, uh, pretty much health strength training, or you can do my name. I, it's my Instagram handle is literally my full name, Michael Anthony Hale. So just search that up or uh, website, website healthstrengthtraining.online. Yeah, it's the ways to find me. Awesome, brother. I'll get all that linked up in the show notes. Well, thanks again for doing this. All right, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you ever want to have me on for sure. I'll be open to it.